0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to our inaugural episode of Overwatch Now. I am your host, Dylan the Dude, and joining me is your other host for this fine show, Boy the Music Man.
1: What's going on, everybody?
0: And welcome to Overwatch Now, your one-stop shop for all things Overwatch in the present moment.
1: We'll be talking about, uh, we'll be talking a lot about what's currently happening to the general public of overwatch players as well as what the pro scene is like
0: with updates uh changes in meta changes in players changes in the game and very much more we here are proud to be the second show to be uh, aired here on dude media's podcasting network you can find us of course here on podbean over on itunes as well under dude media and overwatch now so without further ado let's roll into our episode here today music and to start us off here no better place to start than the most recent patch notes the experimental card patch notes changes for overwatch now this is going to be ones that by the time this episode has aired will have been out for about a couple weeks now so we will have a very good idea um when we start discussing this about how these changes actually impacted the heroes but music are you ready for me to run them down for you, one by one?
1: Let's get do it.
0: Alright, so the first change here, hero-wise, and of course, this uh, patch has been the implementation of several features that are actually really nice. Um, it's the Archives 2020 event, so for all of you that like your uh, Overwatch lore and your uh, team-based arcade modes, we do have those available for you here. With and Uprising. there's even more challenges. Yes, with Uprising, Retribution, and Storm Rising all having new challenges, so lots of fun in that way. Uh, The most useful feature in the history of Overwatch, or at least one of them in my opinion, is the ability to share replays um, that has been implemented here. Uh, It is really a good way to kind of expand on the social features that Overwatch has been redefining over the last few years. And I personally think it's just a lot of fun to be able to have a simple, you know, six-digit code or whatever and send it to a friend so they can see what you've been up to.
1: Not only that, but it does also help with VOD reviews if you ever play a lot of competitive Overwatch, like a good chunk of the community does. You can just share that code with a personal coach, or maybe if you're lucky and a pro player out there is streaming that you're doing bad reviews, send it to them, they'll take a look at it, review what you've been doing wrong and what you've been doing, right, depending on who's coaching you. And overall, I just think it's a, it's a really good way to help get better at Overwatch.
0: It really is, and um, we've had a couple of these sorts of changes where it makes it easier and easier since the game's launch to analyze gameplay. And I think that this is, uh, we're almost at the step where it's almost perfect. I mean, there are a few things maybe that could be tweaked, but I think Blizzard does have a really solid grasp on how to perfect this in the coming years. Uh, in the Hashtag coming unpopular opinions. I mean, I i, I personally believe that. We're going to have some unpopular opinions here, but I do think Blizzard, much more so than other games like Call of Duty, um, actually does have a more robust system for this, uh, especially for such a complex game. But speaking of a complex game, um, we do have one more change before we get to the heroes, which is that uh, the change to assault, payload, and hybrid game modes, where if both teams complete uh, their rounds uh, when they're on offense and have more than two minutes of the time bank, uh, each team's time bank is reduced until one team has two minutes and the extra time is added to the team that has the higher time. So as an example for this would be if... um, both teams on a 2cp map uh were to end with uh four minutes left uh just quickly cap both points or if one had say four minutes and one had 450 then both would be lowered down to two but the team that had 250 would be 250 so it just artificially shortens games a little bit and makes games uh a lot less grindy if you will it just makes it feel like um A more balanced and quick-moving game in my opinion
1: because we all know how much we love having those six round matches that take like over an hour by themselves
0: and then you lose and you lose the sr and it's the absolute worst feeling uh of wasting that much time and wasting that much uh, sr on that but again this is just a quality of life change i believe that uh i've had affect me a couple of times but it's In all honesty, it's not even noticeable in some cases. It just makes the game feel more, uh, just quicker moving, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, now, without further ado, we actually get down to the big changes that people like to discuss, debate, and talk about. We're going to go by these. I'm going to go through uh, each of them and get, uh, we're going to give our opinions on the hero, just very basically uh, how these changes affect them. Um, But then we'll do a complete, robust analysis of how they affect the meta after we go over each hero pool. Or after each uh, hero change. So, music. Are you ready? I'm ready. Alright, so the first change we have here is Baptiste. Who has two pretty significant, well, significant depending on who you ask changes. Um, The first change is to his exo boots, his uh, jumping ability. Where the charge time is reduced from a full second to 0.7 seconds, so that just means, for lack of a better term, he just gets to jump the max distance a slight bit quicker. Um, as well, regenerative burst, his uh, cooldown, his uh, non-eye uh, field ability, is uh, the mass heal to the people right around him, or not mass heal, but you know, significant heal. The cooldown has been reduced on that from 15 seconds to 13 seconds. Uh, Music, how significant do you feel these changes are to
1: Baptiste himself? The exo-boost, I don't think it's that big of a change. Like, yes, it does mean that Baptiste can crouch jump higher and quicker. But at the same time, that's not really what you're supposed to do as Baptiste. Like, you're just supposed to get to the better positions quickly very quicker if you are going from low to high and that usually takes longer than even a full second for you to make that adjustment. But um, the regenerative burst however, I think that that has a bigger impact to Baptiste's kit simply because you're getting the AoE healing a lot quicker than normal so it just slightly boosts his healing output.
0: I actually disagree a little bit on the exo boots. I think the exo boots is a little bit more important uh, for one reason. And like you said, you're usually supposed to use that to get go from low ground to high ground and get better positions. Uh, I've actually seen a lot of Baptiste um, using that ability in the matchups involving May uh, with the May walls. Like they will have uh, their main tank get cut off by the May wall, and the Baptiste will be aggressively jumping over the wall so they can they can heal the hero or their main tank while you know being blocked off from that and some other area of denial effects um as well i don't think it's game breaking but i do think it is a very nice quality of life change for baptiste and i do agree with you on the regenerative burst that to me is one of my favorite abilities of his it's just very simple but it does have an impact on the team and it's a very impactful ability even if it doesn't get as much credit as say um, his damage output or his eye field which is certainly the big part of his kit that is he has played for uh, I think it makes him all around more robust and well rounded healer maybe next, next up though we're moving to your one trick music your off tank one trick and it is uh, it's very simply on D.Va the booster cooldown has been increased from uh, 3 seconds to 4 seconds go ahead and rant about how they're killing my character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy.
1: Just, just to give context on my history playing Overwatch, I started competing in Overwatch as a legit diehard D.Va 1 perk, so every time I see D.Va get a, a nerf that's drastically bad, so to speak, so to speak, i that was my attitude, stop killing my D.Va. But this kind of nerf after, after buffing her boosters I feel like this would make D.Va more of a, uh, uh, I don't even know how to call it, but it's like, with the cooldown being at 3 seconds for her boosters, she was basically fat-facing, so she can get in and out almost instantly, which is not a bad thing, but it does get annoying. It's it's a lot of fun when I'm playing D.Va, but the people that I'm doing it against, they're probably annoyed at all blank. <laughs> but to change from 3 to 4 seconds, I feel like that means that D.Va players just in general would need to be more strategic about how to use their boosters because they're not going to happen as quick as the three seconds, obviously. But at the same time, it's still faster than the original boosters, which was like on a six-second cooldown or something like that, if I remember.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they were... Uh, it was a lot worse back in the day. Uh, yeah. From beta, um, D.Va has gotten a ton of changes, and I think this is just a very basic nerf that's not... it. It's not anything unheard of. It's it, D.Va is a, uh, a hero in this game that gets changed a bit from time to time, and I think this is a, a very reasonable change, personally.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that.
0: And it makes... It almost makes this next hero that we're about to talk about uh, even a little bit more interesting, as um, I know a lot of the times uh, boosters would be used as a uh, immediate escape from some of the abilities of this next hero, but... Let's talk about May. The nerf of the cooldown being uh, for the ice wall, which is what both of these changes are affecting. Cooldown increased from 10 seconds to 13 seconds. That is, <laughs> that is massive. Um, a massive change in the dude's opinion. Because a whole three seconds being added to probably the best ability in the game, or one of the best abilities in the game, really does hurt the character because it's it's just a very significant nerf it is you're not going to be able to throw out wall nearly as willy-nilly as some would and you're gonna have to really be disciplined to take advantage of the utility of of the what you get from maywall but then player collision also allows for large heroes to fit through one of the pillar gaps which is also massive <laughs> to me because i'm uh, mm-hmm. a main tank player and reinhardt has always the worst feeling in the world when you would break a pillar like a like a one whole pillar and then oh no i'm too big i can't fit through i can't fit through i can't fit through <laughs> so you it would just basically be useless so i'm i'm very happy with these changes as a main tank player um
1: music how do you feel well the cooldown increase, like you said, it is a significant change mainly because team fights are normally won or lost within a second, maybe two, if it's that's if it's that's prolonged. So having a three second increase that does change up how many players are supposed to play and utilize their ice walls. The collision now, I feel like it's I feel like this is a good change because as an off tank player. It just as just as much as it sucks having that one pillar space open, but you're too big to get through. As an off tank player, one of my responsibilities is protecting the main tank. So on the other end, if my team does break one of the pillars, but I can't get through to help save the main tank, then that is just uh, damage. <laughs> one yeah. of those feelings.
0: <laughs> it is really a terrible one. But speaking of main tanks, that's actually who has been changed to next, uh, however slightly. Uh, Arisa's primary fire, her fusion driver, uh, primary fire, has had its damage increased from 10 to 11. That is the end of her changes. Uh, I think they are nice changes. Um, not meta-breaking, by any means.
1: No, not at all. To
0: me, that's almost a a quality of life change that kind of fits in with the, uh, massive amount of healing that is still uh in the game um just it's just really nice it makes arisa feel like you can have more impact um by just playing the game instead of being a resource shield bot which you still are don't get me wrong but uh it makes you just feel like you can be more impactful in the fight
1: well right now the biggest ability that arisa has in her kit is her hold ability, the ability to change your opponent's positioning on a whim. That is a pretty big ability. The fact that they increased her just natural damage output, even if it is by one point of damage, I'm not sure how I feel about that yet because of the other nerfs that happened to Arissa, like her shield taking longer on cooldown, not only that but breaking easier. Her fortify also... Reducing less damage than it originally did it did. Arisa is one of those like She's technically a main tank, but with all the changes that, that happened to her She probably fits more the flex tank role, which is not bad per se It just makes it confusing as to who is playing main tank in some in some scenarios Which is why you often see Reinhardt preferred as a main
0: I, I can see what you mean there, and I think that's that's absolutely fair in many ways. But um, what is also fair, cause we'll get more to the overall analysis of meta and compositions here in a minute, but let's go to who was previously a uh, top uh, part of the meta in Sigma, with his uh, changes being to his ultimate, his uh, Gravitic Flux, which... Is the ultimate cost of it has been reduced by 10%, making it easier to charge. And his flight speed being increased by 30 cents. So once he actually uses the event and starts to fly, uh, he just moves faster. Nice quality uh, I, I kind of look at these in the same way as a few of these other changes. As a quality of life change. Um, as he's not very prominent in the modern meta, I think these are some, some nice quality of life changes. I don't think I would consider them as a huge buffs, per se, but uh, I don't think they're bad
1: for him in any, in any way whatsoever. Um, I disagree about the huge buff, mainly for the flight speed, because in the last patch they made it so that when Sigma uses his ult, as long as he gets stunned or killed before the players drop from midair, that is when the ult, no, ult drops. So having that additional movement speed does allow him to be more mobile and dodge stuns. Granted, it still happens, and if it does on you, then well, you're good, I guess, but but yeah, just having Sigma not only get his ult slightly quicker, but also be able to move faster while using his ultimate to avoid being killed or stunned out of it, that I think is a significant change. Uh,
0: I will Here's the only thing about that, and it's not enough in my opinion. Sigma is still one of the, uh, during ult, he's still slower than other airborne heroes, um, especially one who we're going to talk about here coming up in a bit, but he's just so easy to CC with all of the stuns that are in the game. I don't think letting him move a little quicker is really going to solve the problems he has. it, it's a nice change. I'm not. You might have, maybe, in my opinion, two of every ten Sigma ults maybe benefit from that, where it's, you know, they just dodge a flashbang or they just go back and forth and miss a, a few widow or get a widow to miss a few more shots. I still don't think it's enough to fix the problems that Sigma has.
1: Oh, no, absolutely none. But. This change, I think, is a step in the right direction. So be like, as of right now, Sigma is playable. In the last meta, which we'll get to more about the current meta later, but in the last meta, when somebody were to play Sigma, the only thing that you can play with him is really you no know, Orisa, when you think about it. Like, yes, Sigma is a good standalone tank at that time, but with a lot of the changes that they did, they almost made him not playable, so, so to speak. So yeah. this, change, this change, I believe, does make Sigma at the bare minimum playable for a lot of tank players.
0: Well, let's take it from a hero who has become a bare minimum playable to a character that I believe has certainly earned a, uh, a high recommendation of being playable with this simple uh, change in his abilities. We're going to Legs, we're going to Soldier 76, with his helix rockets, now that is the uh, the right click ability, the um, the high damage volley of rockets that you can shoot. The cooldown from that has been reduced from eight seconds to six seconds. Now, holy cow, I'm really high on this change. I think this change makes uh, shield break all the much easier. I think it makes finishing off targets um, around a payloads. A heck of a lot easier i think this is probably one of the nicest changes aside from maybe even more of a spread reduction on his primary fire that soldier 76 could get
1: yeah i agree this does increase shield break potential it also increases soldiers overall dps aside from his primary fire at this point it's like if you want to play soldier just learn positioning and tracking as well with your aim but you know i think how you position as a soldier 76 and how quick you are to adjust your positioning i think that would determine the good soldier players from the great Soldier players
0: and he does still have a strong kit he has one of the better movement abilities in the game uh with sprint his yep. healing uh he has a self-heal which is really kind of underrated i still believe i still don't think people uh really talk about that as much as they should because it is still a great ability uh and then his damage output G- while it's not on the level of a uh, a perfect aim mccree it is still very very solid so i think we are going to be seeing more soldier uh coming but we'll more on that in a minute but with this next change as well i think we're going to have a uh, very particular uh sort of composition reigning supreme but The last change we have character-wise is Sombra. The Empress of Hacking is uh, getting a primary fire buff as well, her machine pistol, her primary fire. The spread has been decreased by 10% more. This is, in my opinion, just incredible. This is going to make uh, a lot of hitscan players that you know, kind of feel like they can't play Sombra that well because they feel like they just aren't precise enough. Um, This is going to mean the alt charge for that EMP is going to be much quicker. Um, The accuracy is going to be much better. You can actually play Sombra uh, even more effectively as an assassination hero. I believe that while this might be the only change Sombra got, I think it might be uh, one of the most important changes that Sombra could get now, because we are, in the dude's opinion, with this moving towards a very divey, very mobile, very mechanically demanding meta. So how do you feel the Sombra change, um, this minor one, affects her, and then we'll just move into our analysis of how these changes affect everything, but what do you think about Sombra?
1: One of my biggest complaints when it came to Sombra was simply the lack of a DPS output. Like yes, Sombra can hack key heroes, the EMP just gets rid of Zarya's shields and even Zenyatta's shields, which makes those characters in particular more vulnerable than if they were otherwise. But still, as a DPS character, your primary focus should be to have the maximum that DPS output, which Sombra I felt lacked, this red reduction helped a ton when it comes to Sombra DPS output, simply because the more shots you land, the more damage you'll be dealing for a second. I
0: mean, when's the last time you ever saw Sombra with uh, silver or gold damage?
1: Uh, It's not that uh, common.
0: Not that common at all. Um, and I think this will help with that, but I, again, I also think that the most massive part of this is the increased ult charge. The more shots you hit, the more ult you get, the more EMPs you get, the more this game turns into a, hey, you want to use that ability? Yoink!
1: <laughs> sort of
0: game. Um I've yeah, had that happen. I've had that happen quite a bit. Which, which I, I guess that does lead us into this. Um, music, go ahead and start. Run us down. So, with these changes, where do you think the meta is heading?
1: So... As far as competitive Overwatch to go, goes. I just, well, you know, I'll start with the, how the pros have the meta. So, we haven't had an actual Overwatch League match for the past couple of weekends because of a certain uh, infection that's going around across the world. But because of that, the Overwatch League players have been practicing for about three weeks now. Not, not using Winston, not using Lucio, and not using Soldier 76 and Sombra. So I don't think we'll be seeing either of those changes implemented in the Overwatch League. However, that being said, and when they did have those characters available last last time they played, they were very impactful characters. Like, I still remember having L'Oise and Dante on the Hackfist Metacombs and they were just Getting kicks left and right like they should, and a lot of the combinations that Dante was able to pull off on Sombra with not only with Blase, but with Mooma and with Mecco and even with Rockets and Repel. It's like those changes have greatly impacted. The pro scene, which is what led to Sombra getting banned, banned as well as Older 76.
0: Well, also, not to discount um, Toronto Defiant, they had a large part of their uh, strategy for the last week they played was putting their uh, Sure 4, you know, uh, on the Sombra and either Linkser or... Who was their other DPS player?
1: For the Defiant?
0: Yeah, it was... Uh, well,
1: I can Linkser, tell you right now, not Linkser's Linkser, not one not of them.
0: Linkser, um, <laughs> That links are uh, logics is what I meant. Logics and uh, whoever the other person that they had uh, on that. Agilities. Their... Agilities. Um, definitely those three made very good use of Hackfist as well. So, I mean, a lot of... T- I'm not going to say a lot of teams made Hackfist or uh, even Sombra Compositions meta when she was allowed. But I do no, think because... that especially with this change... Coming up, um, I I think it is going to move that way. Uh, one second, real quick.
1: Yeah, yeah, but overall, when it comes to the pro meta, I think going forward this weekend, hopefully this weekend, when it comes to the pro meta, we're going to be seeing a lot of a lot of what we saw basically before the hero pools were implemented. We're going to be seeing a lot of Ryan Diva, Mae McCree, because those heroes are just still too good. However, I wouldn't be surprised if McCree would be swapped out for a Soldier for the Shield Break, or maybe swapped out for a Soldier for the Shield. Oh wait, they can't. My bad. <laughs> but you no, know, we'll be we'll also be seeing a lot of Anna Break because I think, especially with how the matches have been the past couple of you no know, weeks, a lot of what we're gonna be seeing as far as pro level matches is really who can out brawl who whether it's with Ryne Diva whether it's with Dive t- Dive Tanks or Dive Ish DPS or even just like poke DPS I think the name of the game is going to be who can out brawl who because now Anna and Brig I believe are going to be the dominant support pl- players for this meta for this meta now Granted, I could I could be wrong, but I just don't see any other possibility for a, even like the other du- <laughs> duos. Like, I don't think Ryan and Zarya is going to be a, a thing. I don't think there's going to be much changes to the, the DPS lineup. Like, we might still see some Doom, <laughs> Doomfist plays because, you know, Blase and Agilities are just not good on Doomfist. Hell, we might even see Gen- Gen- Genji plays, but overall. I do think that the, the pro meta is going to shift towards Booking out for all food.
0: Yes, uh, sorry about that. I had to do something for my mom. But yeah, um, so with regards to the overall way that the game has moved with... I mean, again, these changes have been around for a little bit now. So we have kind of been able to feel the actual impact of them in our regular competitive play
1: and yes Uh, speaking speaking of which one of the biggest complaints that i have for the competitive hero pool is that it doesn't match the owl hero pool because if we look at the competitive hero pool as of the time of this recording we have uh, Roadhog, sigma Doomfist, and brig all out of no rotation which you know for someone like me one of the most annoying things that i had to to kind of deal with is a co-tank that just is a locks hog because it turns out he's a DPS main that happened to queue for Tank. Sigma was fun, but again um regardless I digress. And because of those hero pools for the competitive ladder, we've been seeing a lot of the changes that are that we've just read out in the patch notes implemented. We've been seeing a lot of soldier. Not as much May, but we have been seeing or not May. Sombra, but we have been seeing a lot of Soldier. Mei is one of those niche picks now, and we are seeing more, like, dive-wally-type compositions.
0: However, it is a very weird thing because on one hand, I agree that it would be a little bit more uh, robust, uh, a little bit more um, kind of unified if you had the owl hero pools and the competitive hero pools as the same. I mean, that would make it so... You could watch Owl, see what heroes they are playing and not playing, and then you could play those heroes and not play those heroes as well.
1: As long as you remember that, more likely than not, you're not going to be playing at that same level on the competitive ladder.
0: Well, of course, but uh, a lot of people like to think they can, or like to play like they can. However... The only problem with that is that that means we would have the same competitive hero pool for about three weeks because Owl has not changed its competitive hero pool for about three weeks because of viral infections. So um, I can understand why they don't do it. Um, I think it is a very weird thing that they do or they couldn't come up with a better system for it. But as it stands currently, which um, the heroes for competitive that are banned right now, like you said, are a lot of heroes with... Uh, disruption and stun abilities.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As a main tank player, that feels all fantastic. Uh, not having all those stuns being implemented on me at once. You know, not getting hooked, doom fisted, uh, shot at with a rocket, and bashed all in like a span of five seconds. Um, but it does. In the current meta, I-, I do believe there is a lot of room for Sombra. I do think there's a lot of room for Soldier. My most controversial, or not even controversial, but I guess the opinion you might disagree with most, uh, Moy, is that I still believe that Sigma is in a terrible position. There are not many instances, maybe only one or two instances across every map in the game, every game mode in the game, almost every composition in the game. I can think of maybe one or two-ish instances where I would say Sigma is a good option to be played. I still think he's in a terrible position, and I don't think you'll see him. His, I don't think his pick rate is going to be uh, very high um, in this meta or next meta or any meta unless some significant changes come to those characters around him.
1: Well here's the thing, I'm not going to dispute that Sigma is in a terrible position because even I know that he is, like yes, he has got above to his ultimate, in the end that's just a big woohoo, however I still believe that Sigma does have at least a place, like one of the things that I would argue to, uh, to the end of the earth about is Sigma being a counterpick to the bastion, like yes, good teams playing bastions will be protecting their bastion, like it's a newborn ba- baby. But at the same time, with Sigma, even though his shield's weaker than Reinhardt's, for example, for example, it can still zone out the bastion even for a little bit. His his um, kinetic grasp would be able to absorb all that da- the damage and turn it into personal shield, which helps his survivability and maybe even help prolong the team fight. And depending on where the Sigma is, the rock that he throws would also be able to stun Bastion out of Courage Mode. I've seen it happen. I've done it before. So I do think that even though it is a bit of a niche pick, I will, I will basically take to my grave that Sigma would be a good counterpick for Bastion. Not that we can do it on ladder.
0: Counterpoint to your counterpick here. I do believe that Sigma, while that might work up to the levels of Platt, maybe even maybe I'll even just I'll just put it plat, from Platt and below. A lot of your Bastion players are going to be playing that point and click, uh, really just never let go of the left mouse button. They're just going to constantly fire. Once you oh, get, yeah. to, once you get to Diamond and above, though, if they see a Sigma trying to absorb with that kinetic grasp. They're gonna look away and fire at something else, or they're just gonna stop firing. The counterplay to Sigma in a Bunker comp, like a Bunker comp versus um, any other comp, the stronger pick right now is still gonna be Reinhardt. Like, Reinhardt has more shielding, he has more, honestly, more DPS potential. And he, can pee- and he basically serves as just completely and utterly peeling for anyone on his team that has to move out a little bit, because he goes with them. Reinhardt is definitely, in my opinion, the better version of Sigma right now. He doesn't need to have that ability stun, because he has a Fire Strike, which does more damage, and in that situation, more situations than not, is going to be more useful than... That stun rock that's most likely going to miss through a shield anyway. Uh, At those levels. I'm not saying diamond masters and grandmasters. But, you know, platinum below. Maybe you can see Sigma there, but I still ultimately think Reinhardt will be probably the the most must-pick hero in this meta.
1: Well, here's the thing. I'm not saying that Sigma would be the main tank in that scenario. Obviously not. Sigma's a terrible main tank at the moment. Not at the moment. But having a Rhine Sigma comp to help cap, counter a Bastion, I think that would be very useful. I also think that another uh, thing to help counter Abastion would be having the Anna land the Bionade you No know, on them. I I think that there's just a bunch of There's a lot of things that can happen to counter a Bastion as a team. For the diamond and up uh, the elos. But again, it's all high-level coordination. If you don't yes. have that, then then you're basically just pulling a me and throwing.
0: Yes, and that's again, this is speculation. Um, from what I have seen, though, I have seen more Arisa Rhine comps than Arisa Sigma comps, and I think that trend will continue in these next metas. Of course, unless one of those two heroes is uh, banned, but in that case, you just get Diva. Instead, I mean, yeah. those are those are the two heroes that you will always see. Um, you'll always see Ryan Diva, or you'll see Rhine Orisa, or Orisa Diva, or Orisa Rhine. Those are really the three tanks you're going to see a ton of, in my opinion, uh, up here in the next, honestly, few metas from week to week, uh, if you will, unless one. Because you can't ban three heroes, or three tanks, unless you know, competitive changes their minds and just decides to ban three or four tanks. Uh, oh, no. But, um, I mean, as long as you have at least one of those three tanks, that tank is going to get played.
1: Yeah, and funny you mentioned that, because since, since Roadhog and Sigma both have been out of rotation, I have been seeing, surprisingly, a lot more Rhind Zarya than I would feel comfortable with. And I'm not saying that that's a bad Thing because a lot of those Zarya players are good at managing their, their, their bubbles. However that being said, I do believe that even though Diva has been played a lot in the past few weeks, I don't think she'll be out of rotation for this upcoming weeks here. Here pulled on ladder, I think that's gonna go to Zarya, but maybe the next one, that's when they'll the Diva.
0: Well, Zarya is an interesting case because Zarya hasn't had any significant changes really come through in a few patches. Zarya's entire placement in the meta has really just been because of everyone around her being stronger. I mean, when you're thinking about how you should play this game, every character in this game has a place. Every character in this game can be played. It's just who is stronger than who at this exact moment you get more utility and more benefit out of diva but you can still get benefit and play out of zarya zarya is not completely unplayable no i do i i do believe though that zarya interestingly enough has had the interesting perspective of um being played in a couple of different comps um, one that I've seen actually a bit on the high plat low diamond ranking is Orisa Zarya which is very it's not it doesn't have naturally built-in synergy but when you are and also Ball Zarya which only has it doesn't have a lot of built-in synergy either but with those compositions you can still play those because Zarya still does have some strengths and weaknesses Versus other tanks, I mean, if you're a high charge Zarya, you melt through Divas. you melt through Rhine shields, you melt through or Aresa uh, shields, you do a lot of damage, more damage than uh, any of the other tanks can really do if you're playing, you know, max charge, playing really well. And in some comps, that's what you need, but in most comps, you just need that added utility that uh, even Roadhog can give you uh, over Zarya. Yeah, right. So, I mean. I'm interested to see where Zarya ends up in the next few weeks, both in our competitive meta and in Owls, just because I think it's a character that is just a little slept on right now, and who knows? Maybe music, maybe we'll get to see some spree in, in the uh, in Overwatch League, yeah. Maybe we'll get to see some of that Houston Outlaw Zarya one-trick player that you love so much. But
1: I'm not sure. It's really up in the air. At this point, I'm just I'm just gonna say that as long as D.Va is in the rotation, I don't think we're gonna be seeing some Zarya play in the pro meta anytime soon. But we'll see what ha- we'll see what happens.
0: All right, now we do have, as far as we know here at um, Overwatch Now, as far as we know, the upcoming games this weekend are going to happen as usual, or have they been cancelled?
1: As far as I'm aware, the upcoming matches starting this weekend, March 20th, or 28th, we will be having some online ma- matches for OWL. There's actually a schedule already on both their website and on their, twi- their Twitter and any other social media pla- platform. And the way that they decided to, to hold these online matches, I thought it was very interesting, so what what they decided to do which ended up uh not working out in their favor last weekend was that they were no they were going to give each team enough money to basically have a team house so all the players can play basically under one unified network ban- uh, bandwidth and to reduce any lag issues or compensation po- uh, possible that didn't work out last weekend because of uh, California's laws, where a lot of those their teams basically prevents people from be you know from being together just yeah, period because of this outbreak pandemic. Now that's that's one thing. The other change that I do want to uh, talk about is despite all this, this um there has been another change that Owl is doing regarding how they pick their hero pulls no, pull down to remove from rotation so we don't have three soldier picks to knit uh, it together and uh yeah so what they decided to change from that what well, know was that um depending on the pick rate because they do have that bar of a 10 percent pick rate in an owl but depending on how often the hero's played determines how many tickets they'll they'll have now whether or not they'll do it online or through some sort of randomizer that is yet to be you know, determined, but what well, we can see, regar- regardless of what happens with what they do online, uh, um, if, you know, if a hero, an owl, over the next, com- next coming weeks have a 10 to 25 roughly percent pick rate, then they get a ticket, 26 to 50, two tickets, 51 to, to 75, you know, three tickets, and anything over 75 is is four, t- four tickets. Again, I don't know if they're going to use a randomizer online or how they're going to do the, draw- do the drawings, but that is a change that I feel like we should talk, talk about.
0: So I'm sorry, Reinhardt, Zarya, and... Reinhardt, Zarya, May, and Lucio players, your heroes are going to be banned every other week at this point. <laughs> so I am very sorry you are going to have to learn to play more heroes than those if you are one tricks but yeah no this is definitely going to kind of reflect the amount of play um time that these heroes have a little bit more a little bit better because again this last time soldier and sombra they had a decent little bit of time played but they weren't the meta by any chance they, they weren't like the the sole characters played at, at even above a 40 50 or 60 percent pick rate now it's going to be more likely that those that do get played more actually get banned more, which I think is a good way of doing it. I very much approve of this method of banning or of, of adjusting the bans, but yeah, I'm sorry to those characters that I just mentioned. You are not going to see your one trick played every week in Owl, <laughs> most certainly. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I do like this, though.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. and speaking of Owl, like for anybody that's playing in open division, they just recently made the change to where the hero pools are equivalent to that of owls, which I think is a good rule a good um, adjust, adjustment. As but I'm we, also as long as we yeah. play the
0: darn uh, uh, owl plays their darn game, so they can change.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, but but at the same time, it's like at the back of my mind, be being, being a, uh, deep, a diva main or hell, even call me a one trick, but. Yeah, but, um, yeah, playing a lot of D.Va, both on ladder and with my team, I know that D.Va has a pretty good chance of being banned for the next week that I will play. D.Va is just that good at high-level competition, so I know that there's a high chance that she's just not going to be seen one of these weeks.
0: Absolutely.
1: Which, you know, it's a good thing that I don't only play D.Va, I do know how to play I play Zarya, I know how to uh, play, obviously, Sigma, Orisa, and really most other ta- tanks. Whether I'm good at it, that's another story entirely. But yeah.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, I guess what we should move on to now here, if you are ready, Moy the Music Man, is that as long as things don't change, we do have a lot of games coming up this weekend a ton of games, which I actually really like that they're doing, because it means that some of these Chinese uh, markets are actually going to be able to see their Chinese players play at a time that makes sense to them, because of time zone differences. So (laughs) I'm not sure if we're going to be able to watch some of these matches live unless we're just out of our minds, but... Oh, I
1: talked talked about Monster Energy drink, so I should be good.
0: Oh, okay, huge, huge. I'm going to drink some Bang Energy. (laughs) So. Let's go through each game, and we're going to analyze these. We're going to see if we know, if we can predict, if we know what's going to happen in these games. So, Music, I will let you take it from the beginning. Uh, What's our first matchup for the... uh, Theoretical matchup for this upcoming weekend?
1: If I remember correctly, we are going to be starting off this weekend with Zhao Charge versus the Shanghai Dragons. Now... Uh, I don't know, it's like, when I first heard of Guangzhou, I thought that they were not going to be the best simply because they were a Chinese team and they came in literally the season after the only Chinese team in all of OWL went the entire season not winning a single series. It is
0: the actual worst losing streak in professional sport history. <laughs>
1: Like, yeah, like I, the Shanghai Dragons currently hold the record of being on, or not being, but having a 42 series loss streak. That is
0: not very good, if you will.
1: Nah, nah. Now, in case you're wondering where do I get 42 because you've been watching Alice in season 1 and they've only had 40 matches in season 1. Shanghai proceeded to lose a couple of their first matches in Season 2 until they finally got the win in their third series. That series, I forget who it's from, I but... believe
0: it was Florida. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, but still, that moment, that victory that Shanghai had, that is something to be proud of if you're a Shanghai fan, or even if you just like the Dragons because of their feat of having the worst losing streak record. But anyways, I digress. The Charge, since joining the Overwatch League, has proven their worth to be anywhere between a mid-tier team to a high-tier team team, depending on who they play and what the meta is they're going to be around. So I do think that the Charge is going to have that edge over the Dragons. That being said... I don't think the Dragons are going to lose that easily. I think they are going to put up a fight, so this will be a fun match to watch. I am looking forward to it. I am definitely going to be awake at 4 a.m. to watch this until so, I fall asleep after the first match.
0: Naturally. Well, <laughs> as it <laughs> as it is. But I think that some of, both these teams have made very interesting acquisitions during the offseason. Uh, neither of these teams have played yet in Owl due to Of course, the infection going around, uh, starting in China. So these two teams were affected by it actually a lot earlier than we were. Um, However, some of the people that they picked up were really kind of surprising. Of course, the Guangzhou Charge actually have a mixed roster. They have a roster of Chinese, Korean, American, and Spanish players. Um, This is going to be a very weird team because... They have, they only have two tanks on their team, so they're going to be running Rio and Krong uh, the entire time, unless you know they pull some cheeky San Francisco uh, things and put a character on or a person on a different role. In my opinion, you still have uh, some of the best DPS in the entire league on this team. You have Eileen, you have Happy, and you have Nero, all of who are very talented at the roles they play. Especially Eileen, being a standout character from Chinese Contenders. My biggest concern with this team is actually going to be the support. As you have Chara and Shu, who were were good support players, but of course they didn't really get Guangzhou anywhere last year. But you also picked up uh, Waya, who was another top-tier Chinese Contenders player. And the former... Uh, insane battle mercy of the Philadelphia Fusion in Neptuno who is on this roster I'm not sure where you will see these, if you see those players come in, I don't know what the support line is going to be I can pretty much with confidence say that Eileen Happy um, Krong and Chara are going to or not Chara, Rio are going to be probably your four starters like for sure
1: the support oh, was- I I agree with that
0: The support line is what I'm really kind of confused with on that, and while I can be a little bit more uh, concrete with that roster, I have no idea what way Shanghai is going to go here. Because Shanghai has a full roster of 5 DPS players, 3 support, and 4 tank, and their entire team is just very good players. I am... Dia is absolutely insane, Guguri, the only female Overwatch player in the Overwatch League. Uh, Diem and Dading, both absolutely stellar uh, DPS players. Uh, Luffy uh, Luffy and Lee Jagon, are both very good supports, although they're a little outclassed by their star support. Iziaki, who they picked up from the uh, LA Valiant. Fleta, who they picked up from the Seoul Dynasty, who... In a very hotly contested DPS line, also including Lip, another contenders player of note, it's gonna be really hard to tell which of those five players is actually gonna get played. And with a tank line including Void, Stand One, and Fearless, of course Fearless being a huge part of them of their team uh, in first season and even parts of second season, I'm not really sure. <laughs> Where who's starting wait, on this team? I'm very, uh, kind of confused.
1: Wait, where do you see fearless? Uh, fearless? Fearless is on this team.
0: Yeah, fearless is on Shanghai. Uh,
1: okay, they might have not updated the roster then, because then, I have it in front, not in front of me, and I don't see fearless. But anyway, uh, he,
0: he was added in uh January of this year.
1: Oh, he was okay. He was the, makes...
0: the most recent addition to the team.
1: But yeah, that, so that makes sense. That makes see. sense. Then, then, um. I do think that for the Shanghai, we're definitely going to be seeing a lot of the Ding, like he's probably going to be their starting DPS all of, no, all around and it's really going to be a fight between Dia and Diem. Um, I feel bad for Gaguri because even though she's a good off-tank player, they have Void who is more flexible. So to speak, like, Gaguri is known for being a Zarya player, which in the current meta is not it's not really what you need as a professional team they do have void who has been playing a lot of diva a lot of sigma not even a lot of roadhog when those metas were around so void i think is going to be the starting off tank the starting main tank however that is going to i i'm just going to predict it's going to be uh, fearless at this point at this point and because mainly because I haven't heard much about Stand One, but the support lineup, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Luffy play, and I'm looking forward to seeing Izayaki play. I think those are going to be the starting support team.
0: So in that vein, who gets the win here?
1: In that vein, I I think that Wang Zhao is still going to get the you know win simply because Rio is the better main tank of over Fearless and... And Tara is just... Chara knows how to keep his team alive. Which is, which is something that you kind of need as a support player. Not to mention that... Eileen is going to... As long as Eileen doesn't have to face the ding head on... He's going to have free, free reign. Nero and Happy, both of them, can just run circles around, around the others. And I do think that the starting support lineup for Guangzhou is going to be Tara and Neptuno. Having Neptuno play Delucio. Lu- De so I do think that Charge is going to take this. If not 3-0, then 3-1.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm calling a 3-0 on uh, Guangzhou as well. Um, I think they're just a smaller, more practice team. And I think uh, they're going to have a lot more uh, team cohesion than the Dragons will, which, I'm not saying the Dragons are going to get crushed, but I do think it's going to be a 3-0. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, that that seems fair.
0: And if you can stay up past that, we get the other two Chinese teams playing in our match 2, which is at 6am on Saturday morning for us here in the States. That is the Shengdu Hunters versus the uh, Zhao Spark.
1: It's funny, every time I think of the Spark, I think of that entire incident that happened with uh, Crystal, which to anybody that don't remember that incident, so Crystal was the Spark's starting DPS player until he went AWOL on the team. Like he's still technically a part of the team, but we have heard absolutely nothing from from him since he went AWOL. So I have no idea how, how they're going to, um, Handle that. Now that, that being said, the Sparks do have other good, no good players aside from Crystal. They have Rhea as their star. Off, no, opting. They have Gu Shui from the Soul. No, actually, no. I was thinking of Jester that retired, but Gu Shui. They, no, they've acquired from. No, also from no, Sol, no, the Soul Dynasty, who is a stellar main, no, main tank. No, they have Baz, no, Bazi and Gatsby as really. I believe it's going to be their starting DPS players, but other DPS players to look forward to are Adora and Sazen. And I think the Spark have the stronger support lineup as well, with IDK being their main support. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot of Mika as well.
0: You see, I'm actually going to go... Uh, so, so you're saying they have a lot going for them. I'm actually going to go and just announce what I think right now i think their opponents the shangdu hunters are gonna win this first game i think shangdu has a incredible flexibility within their team between elsa late young uh ameng and uh ting all a full chinese roster here uh with a couple players from taiwan but mostly a full chinese roster i think between those four your tank line is about as good as any tank line can be in owl i think uh Yavedal is one of the best and most underrated supports uh, in the Overwatch League. And with Jinmu and Baconjack, as well as other unproven DPS players like Leave, I just believe that they're going to be very strong and very unpredictable uh, here in their first matchup here in the Overwatch League of this season. I'm going to give them a 3-1 win over the uh, Spark, hands down right here.
1: I... I think this is where you and I have uh, split opinions here because I don't think it's going to be a 3-1. I think it's going to be a 3-2. What I can't fully decide on is is who that 3-2 is going to go towards. Because I do agree that Amang, um, Elsa, and Lei Young, they're all stellar tank players on the the Hunters. I also believe that the Spark has DPS that know how to play around Amang and Elsa to start, to start off. I do think that those two are going to be the starting tanks for the for the Hunters. And the support lineups for both teams, I believe, are pretty even. So I think it's just a matter of who has the better tank and DPS synergy between the two teams. Whoever has that, I still think is going to win the Series 3-2.
0: So do you have a hard prediction of the two?
1: I don't. I right. want to ed- I want to edge it towards the the hunter simply because I know how good Bacon Jack and Jinmu are. But at the same time, I still have hope for you know, for um, and Godspeed just completely dominating the DPS line the lineup. Well,
0: you might not have many uh, concrete opinions on who's gonna win that game. However. In probably the easiest match for me to call of this entire weekend, uh, I'm calling Toronto going 3-0 over Boston, (laughs) because Boston is sadly in a very uh, unknown spot right now. They're playing players that are new and have less experience. They're not playing these comps that really fit into their strengths. They're playing a lot of Sigma, who is at his weakest right now, uh, versus the Toronto Defiant, who, despite not being able to play that comp that they're really comfortable on, I believe will be able to play uh, a much cleaner game, a much uh, more decisive and cleaner game uh, over the Boston uprising. So 3-1, or uh, 3-0, I mean, for me, Toronto. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, that that one, I don't think anybody can dispute that Toronto is going to just ruffle stomp uh, Boston. Like, I know quite a few uh, Boston fans, but... Come on, it's like your only win was against the Houston Outlaws, and that went to map seven. Yeah, that's pretty that's... terrible. Yeah. yeah So so yeah, I do think that Toronto is just there's just no dispute there. Toronto's going to be Boston.
0: Next up is uh who I believe is arguably the greatest team in the league. They are a top five team in the dudes book. It is the Paris Eternal going up against the kind of hit or miss London Spitfire, and uh, I'm going to predict a very strong 3-1 win for the Paris Eternal here. Uh, I just do believe that between Exe and Soon, uh, as well as Nico, they have a DPS line that I personally think even beats out Glister on the London Spitfire. And with no smite um, being a very... Well, with no smite... With no smite being there to kind of add some flexibility to the Paris Eternal, I just think they are going to be a better more well, uh, well-practiced more diverse team than the London Spitfire. I believe London's going to take the first map. Uh, control seems to be something that they are very good at, but I do not see them doing any better than a, than losing 3-1. Yeah, n-
1: yeah, I think that is the most plausible case for the London Spitfire, because they London Spitfire has had moments where they everything was working right for them and they were able to take fights like it was taking cookies, but still it's like you said, it was very hit or miss. Like the time that it worked, it was beautiful. But the times that it failed, everybody noticed. And I do yeah. mean everybody.
0: I do believe they are a weaker team. Do you have a a map differential count for that game?
1: I I think you just hit it spot on. I think it's going to be uh, 3-1 for the Paris Eternals and the only map that London is going to take is the control map.
0: All right, all right. We've got a bunch more games left. The next game coming up at 8 p.m. or not 8 p.m. at 6 p.m is the New York XL going one-on-one with the Atlanta Reign. Let's go, dude, Um, (laughs) with the Atlanta Reign. No, he's not playing there. DeFran is not playing on the Atlanta Reign. However, I am actually still going to give the Atlanta Reign a lot of credit. I think that they are going to win this game over the New York XL in Game 5. I think it's going to be a tough battle for both teams. I personally believe Atlanta just has... They just have some players that can really pull stuff out in these metas. I think that they are very flexible, and I think they are probably uh, in my opinion, still a top-five team in the league. New York is also a top-five team. This is going to be a very close game. I'm giving the edge to Atlanta, though.
1: Uh. Oh, man. I'm giving the edge to uh, in New York, but Here's the caveat. I'm saying that New York is going to beat Atlanta in map six.
0: That's interesting. You think there's going to be a draw here in this game? Yes, I think that
1: one of the two CP maps, actually the only two CP maps, I think that is going to be the point where both teams are basically at a standstill. Both teams are equally good at the game not effectively. So, yeah, I do, one thing that I will admit is I do think that um, Atlanta is going to get a lead during the season, I do, I, or during the series. I do think that they are going to get a 2-1 to lead against New York. However, I do think that New York is the better team on control maps. So, I'm saying it's going to be on map 6, New York.
0: All right, after that, we have the Florida Mayhem versus the Washington Justice. What are your takes on this? These are two of the teams that were some of the worst, uh, both were two of the worst teams last season. Uh, Both have shown some promise, and we've seen a lot of these players play due to uh, the recent infection uh, really causing a lot of their homestands to be the only ones that really got played um, before everything shut down. Uh, What's your analysis of these two teams that we've got a lot of scouting on?
1: Um I think that Washington is going to win this 3-3 three, three to 1 because while Florida does have excellent individual players in BQB in Gargoyle, Washington has the better duos of the of the team. You have Corey and Stratton. They are I would say the strongest DPS duo in the league in the league this season. We also Hold on, I need to pull up the, uh, rock, the roster a bit because I'm forgetting Washington's main tank player, but I know that Elivode has also been bringing in numbers both in fantasy leagues and in matches. But him, but him and and Roar, that's what the other uh, tank duo that I was thinking of, they've been pulling in numbers like it's nothing. And of course you have Arken and God, who are just phenomenal support, know, support players in their own rush no, right. I think that Washington just has the better synergy across all players between no, between the two. Not to say that Florida doesn't have any synergy, but when you think of Florida, you think of really the standout players. No, but with Washington, they're all standout players. Well,
0: you know, I'm actually going to disagree with you on this one. I believe Florida is actually going
1: to bring it out 3
0: 1, because in this upcoming hero ban. Or his hero pool, I believe yeah. they have the stronger advantage. I believe Carrie is the better Reinhardt player. I believe that BQB is very good at the uh, at playing those heroes outside of Sombra, even though Sombra is his best character. And I believe that I don't think the Washington Justice really know what their play style is yet. They've lost many games that I think they shouldn't have lost just simply due to some indecisiveness. I believe, while Cory and Stratos are a very potentially dangerous DPS duo, I think their hero pools are not uh, diverse enough to really complement each other as well as uh, as BQB's, uh, BQB and, uh, who's their other starter?
1: Oh, uh, I, I would need to pull up the, the roster as well. Give me one moment.
0: He's been huge. He's he's done a ton for them uh, the lately. Meeky me and Yaki. Yaki, no, yeah, Yaki has been insane. And honestly, I think they, com- I think the duos on Florida Mayhem actually complement each other better than the duos on Washington. So I'm gonna say a three-one going in the favor of Florida.
1: Well, I do agree that there have been moments that Washington just seemed like very indecisive on what they're not on what they were going to do. The times where they stick to what they how, what they plan on doing, those I believe bring out the strongest like potential that uh, that Washington has had, which is why I believe that they're going to have uh, this win. Because I do believe that as long as Washington like plays everything by the book, how they've normally been playing, when they do perform well as long as they play like that, then there's really no team to stop them, except for maybe one, which we'll get to in the next matchup.
0: All right, run a stand for us, music.
1: All right, so after Florida Mayhem and Washington Justice at 10 p.m. Eastern, we have the San Francisco Sharks versus the Los Angeles Gladiators. And I believe that this is gonna be a 3 of towards the Shock.
0: I disagree completely. I believe this is going to be a 3-2 victory for the Gladiators, and here is why. I believe that the Gladiators have some of the best and most practiced um, players in the league. Uh, personally, I believe that big. there's no better support duo out there than Shaz and Big Goose have been playing with each other for years in this game, and have always been a star uh support duo across the entire league and with the added uh ana expertise of paintbrush being able to be thrown in there uh just in case i believe they're going to be probably the strongest supports in the entire league and with the greatest off tank in the league in space and one of the top um uh translators slash strategists in the league also being able to fill in an off tank with bishu I believe that even if Bird Ring might be washed, um, even if OGE or Cloudy might not be that flexible, I still believe that this team, pound for pound, is one of the stronger teams in the league, and I'm going to call it a 3-2 win for the Gladiators on the backs of them and Mirror, who is the only, uh, to my knowledge, the only uh, Vietnamese player in the Overwatch League, but is definitely a star and will be a star for years to come.
1: Now here's the thing, I will admit that, yeah, that uh, the San Francisco Shock hasn't played that many matches. I believe they've only played two so far, but in both of those ma- uh, matches, they have shown that they know how to manipulate their opponent. Super excellent main tank player just in his own right against, not against both of his opponents. Opponents, and with Choyovin being his co-tank, both of them seem near unstoppable. Unstoppable. Not to mention that they have the likes of Moth, and for that one, no one match uh, of uh, Architect on support. <laughs> both of them just like this entire team. I feel knows how to play the tempo game a lot better than than the, the Los Angeles Gladiators. They know how to basically turn every fight. Into a victory for their own fair. They've shown that numerous amounts of times, even in the friendly match that they've had you know, that they've had just yesterday, e- net even, where even when they're playing characters or players off roles, like I believe they had an Ar- not Architect and Violet for their sport line, uh, lineups. Well, Violet is a sport, but anyway. Well, I was just like, come on, just call Architect yeah. support
0: at this point, because that's what he is. He's yeah. a support player now. I'm yeah. not going to believe otherwise
1: yeah yeah but but still it's like they've had to not turn a striker rascal and the, and as all of those players played for uh, during the friendly match and they've even had some stage time and all of them performed super hard upon well <laughs> well
0: and I, and i don't disagree that it's gonna be a close game and that these two teams are two of the best in the league i just believe that the shock are gonna lose on the merits of their support line because I believe violet is a not meta friendly right now i believe that moth is probably one of the best supports in the league i've put him up there in the top probably five or six but i'm not sure about architect he's their support sub at this point and i think versus shaz and big goose and paintbrush i think they just lose out there and i think that's going to be really the big difference maker because i don't personally believe that the dps on the Gladiators is bad. I just think the DPS on the Shock is so phenomenal. But I think that's the... I, I don't... I think... I, it's going to be a very close match, but I do believe that we're going to be benefiting from a very support-heavy uh, game, or a very support-focused uh, game when they play tomorrow. Or not tomorrow, this, next, this week.
1: Here's the here's the thing, though. Here's my counterpoint to this. I think that we're going to be seeing a lot of Anna Brigg. I've mentioned this before. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of Anna Brigg as a support duo. Architect played Brigg in Goats meta. So Architect, Ar- goes, Ar- Architect, Architect knows is to-
0: stuck on support. He is going to be too hungry. I am predicting that he is going to try to play in the way that Goats would, and I don't think that's going to work for him.
1: I think this is the most uh, argumentative that we've been uh, across all of these seasons But, but yeah, no. Bottom line, this is gonna be a close game. New game, I still think Shaka is going to take the victory, but I don't think it's going to be an easy victory. That we can both agree on.
0: Speaking of easy victories, uh, the next game that happens at midnight, uh, 12 a.m. on March 29th on Sunday, is the Seoul Dynasty versus the Dallas Fuel, and I believe that the Seoul Dynasty are going to lose this game 3-0, because I believe Seoul is the most overrated team in this entire league, uh, right next to London, and... They have not shown me anything yet to make me think otherwise.
1: Well, I mean, it also depends on what they decided, you No, know, what they decide to uh, play or who they decide to you know, play. because when you look at the fuel, you have you have Gansu and Node as the two probably best you know, best tank duo in the league, maybe even Trill Tr- Tr- instead of Gansu. No Gonsu. Uh, Gonsu. But you also have DPS players like Decay that can just click heads with, on a short no, no notice and don't, and Doha. Like, yes, I, I can make an argument for both Zachary and AKM, but we haven't really seen them. But Decay and Doha, both of them have been pulling in numbers for the Dallas Fuel. Like, even in the Dallas versus, versus Boston, Decay was just molly whopping Boston's star DPS player in tough- and Color Hex. And I'm even willing to say that that Crimzo and Closer are probably probably the best support du- duos or at least one of the top five support duos in the entire, in the entire league. So there is definitely a lot going for Nadal here, and so I'm, I'm just not that confident on. Like, I do believe that they have the potential to win but it's just not there. I
0: think that they are going to have a bottom eight performance this year. I just don't believe in the team. I don't believe in Soul's ability, and I believe that they were overrated uh, even from the beginning of season one of Owl. So I'm, I'm gonna chalk that up to an easy three uh, zero for the Dallas Fuel.
1: I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but I do believe that Dallas is going to, do uh, win.
0: After that, at 4 a.m. in the morning on Sunday, we get the Shangdu Hunters versus Shanghai Dragons, the two Chinese teams that didn't play each other the previous day. I am still going to give it to the Hunters, who I am going to give as the... I'm going to call the... I'm going to label it as so. I'm going to label it as Shangdu, Guangzhou, uh, Shanghai, Hangzhou, because, like, in terms of best to worst. So I am going to give Shangdu uh, the victory here. Um, very much just for the flexibility and the star potential of their players and being a little bit more practiced than the Shanghai dragons at this point
1: yeah I, I agree I do believe that the hunters do have the advantage here I'll say they do have the better players just in general because really even now thinking about the Shanghai, you're really looking at their DPS players popping off, which is not what Overwatch is about. Overwatch is more about the synergy and the coordination between the DPS, the tanks, and the supports. And if you're only looking at the DPS players popping off in any given match, then that that's just not going to turn out well for you. So I do think that Chengdu is going to have the, have the win here. Whether it's a 3-0 or a 3-1 is yet to be determined.
0: In that same vein, I'm predicting the same thing. A 3-1 for the Guangzhou Charge over the Spark.
1: Yeah, I can see that. It's good because we have a few
0: more games we got to get through with some new and unique teams that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, at 2 p.m., though, we get the New York XL versus the Boston Uprising, the uh, local-state rivalry that has been going on for years and years and years. I do believe we'll go to New York in a uh, 3-0 just, again, Boston being arguably the worst team in the league right now, it's very questionable if they'll be able to beat New York.
1: Now, now here's the thing. I do believe that Boston is a good team. They haven't played it quite like so this season, mainly because I do think they're just confused as to what to play. Like, when I first saw their their team play for this season, and I saw that fusion, was on Aris was on Arisa with Axiom being on Reinhardt I get the double main tank comp I've seen it I've seen it work I've made it work in my team before no before but that's not the meta and you have both players as dominant Reinhardt plus no players so it's like that to me was probably the biggest questionable play however I do need to uh, give some condolences to to uh, Axiom, who has been feeling ill late, uh, lately and is on medical leave from Boston, not from the the same viral infection that has been causing all these online plays to happen. No, to happen, but still pretty bad. No, pretty bad. But yeah, unless Boston gets their acts together, I don't think that I think that their one match that they beat Houston is going to be their only victory this season.
0: It very well might be. I mean. With these next uh, bunch of games, I'm actually going to be predicting something similar, because I believe a lot of these games are kind of lopsided that are coming up. Kind of like that, but again, Boston has potential. I just don't know if they are going to be able to recognize it. Um, Just like in this next game, I believe the Toronto Defiant versus the London Spitfire. I'm giving this to London in a 3-1. I do believe um, they will be able to clutch it out a little bit uh, i'm not gonna say it's a dominant game but i don't feel like london even though i think they're one of the most overrated teams i don't believe they're bad and i think they will be able to take out a struggling toronto
1: defiant i don't think Toronto's struggling that bad like yeah they had some rough performances but again they were up against top tier teams like atlanta like new or like new york any team that's going up against a- that team significantly better than them is going to struggle I don't think that's the deciding factor with London however they struggled way worse than Toronto so I do think that Toronto is going to come out with a 3-2 victory in this match
0: uh, oh, I'm gonna call it 3-1 for London but I could be wrong and I very much hope I do as I do like Toronto they are one of my favorite teams to watch but I'd, I'm not sure about them. I'm, it's just too early to tell. What's not too early to tell, though, Florida Mayhem versus the Atlanta Reign. I'm giving a 3-1 victory to the Atlanta Reign.
1: Oh, play. I was going to give a
0: 3-0. No, you see, here's the thing. I think Florida's better than that. I think Florida has a lot of star potential as well. Um, I believe they are talented. Uh, Atlanta's just a whole nother level, though. I, I, I believe they will drop a map of being overconfident. Maybe playing Torb a little too much, but I think Atlanta will get the victory here. Now, this next game is one that's actually going to be a little bit more interesting for us, as it is uh, at eight PM in the uh, main event or in the uh, prime time time of the st- of the matches. The Los Angeles Valiant versus the San Francisco Shock.
1: Again, I'm giving this to the San Francisco No Shock. I think that what will win the San Francisco Shot in this matchup is the tanked lineup. Like, you and I are both play, playing a Fantasy League as well, and you know that I have Gig from the LA Valiant. I'm a little bit shaky about him because of how poorly he performed the last time the Valiant play, played. Versus Troy Open and Super on the San Francisco Shot. I think they're just going to, like, flick the. Valiant tank lined up like it's basically just dust off their shoulders.
0: I I do believe that this is a game heavily favoring the San Francisco Shock. However, as long as the Valiant don't have um, as long as the Valiant don't have packing ten throwing their ranked games um, on Reinhardt and Goats like they did this last uh this last weekend for the friendly games. Um, I do think. The Valiants are a team that we are all sleeping on. I'm gonna call this a three-two, and I don't want to declare a victor. I think it leans towards the Shock, but there is a lot of potential here. I believe for the for the um, for the Valiants.
1: Yeah, I I can see that, but it's one of those where, like with Boston, Valiant kind of just needs to realize where their potential lies.
0: Yeah, but and it's it's gonna be hard because Shock is just such a good team, a top three team in the league. I'm gonna give yes. it a three-two, and I I guess I will declare it going to the Shock, but very begrudgingly.
1: Hmm. But the next matchup is also gonna be one that we should be uh, very looking forward to you know, to watching. We have the Vancouver Titans versus the Dallas Fuel. I I don't know. I feel like. I feel like I agree with a lot of the analysts with the Vancouver Titans in that their weakest point in their lineup is really with Jester on the main ta- the tank. Which to anybody who doesn't know, Jester played no uh, played the main tank back in season one for Soul Dynasty, I believe. I believe it was, but then he retired. but then he retired from being um, swapped to the sub no sub role on the team and now he's making a comeback on the Vancouver Titans team. And my issue with Jester is that he had a good win spin. That's about it.
0: Wait, did you say Jester? Yeah. You mean Fisher.
1: One of the two. <laughs> you mean Fisher, one, the one,
0: a, one. the actual player on the on the on the uh, tr- uh, Vancouver Titans.
1: I could sworn wonder was Jester. Though, though. No, Jester yeah, is on but, Soul. Uh, okay, that that's probably where I got the confusion because Fisher was on Soul and then got replaced by Gesture. <laughs> yeah, but yes, no, but, but yeah, no. All of what I just said applies to Fisher.
0: <laughs> well, I'm begrudging. I'm a, I'm a Dallas guy. I love for the Dallas Fuel. I will. Uh, I do believe they are a very good team. I do believe though that outside of the main tank position on Vancouver. I think they have one of the most solid lines in the uh, players group of players in the game. And I will give them the victory 3-1 over the Fuel for this game. However, I don't know. I can always be surprised because I haven't seen a lot of them play recently. We've only seen one game or two games from the Titans so far. So it will be... It'll be very interesting to see how good they actually are in a practical sense. Because they were fantastic last year, but not... We haven't seen enough this year. This year can be such a monumental difference, uh, really. So I'm going to give Vancouver an advantage here, give them a three-one, but I'm not the most confident in this
1: game. Hmm. Yeah, like like don't get me wrong, Vancouver is still like a top-tier, a top-tier team, and I do think that they're going to beat Dallas in this case. It's just if Dallas can find a way to toy with it with Fissure, in whatever way they can, they can, then I do think that that will give Dallas an edge. Just not a bit, very big edge.
0: But anyways... I, but in games I'm completely and totally sure of, um, the last game happening at midnight of that night, so technically March 30th, uh, Monday night at midnight, I am going to claim it the Gladiators are going to stomp over Soul Dynasty. <laughs> I do not believe Soul will be able to pull anything out here. Uh it's it's the Gladiators. I believe they're a top five team. I believe they're gonna win this hands down.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. The Gladiators are going to beat, going to beat the soul. They just like, gladiators just seem more well versed, so so to speak. Like they have star play have players in their own right No right, but it's it's almost like they're one of those teams where it's like you, you say, you name any of their players and say that they're, they're a star player on the team, and the rest of the team is like, yeah, so?
0: Sorry, Toby. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Toby of the Soul <laughs> Dynasty. But, but and but I yeah. also was not very impressed. Uh, I was impressed because I got to see both these teams play this last weekend. Uh, granted, they were friendly games and uh there was a bit of memeing and a bit of trolling going on in those games by at least the gladiators but uh, with side i'm just not confident in soul i'm not uh, i am very confident in the gladiators but what i'm also confident in is when these teams are finally allowed to play the newest hero that is going to be put into the game of overwatch that is echo now yeah Echo is a game-breaking hero in many, many regards, um, some mechanics that just have not ever been seen in Overwatch at this point, uh, very, a very interesting hero that will lead to many interesting compositions, some of which we have already seen in the friendly matches with the pro players. Now, I'm just going to ask you straight up, Music, what is your prediction? for the comp that you will see Echo run the most in.
1: I think that we will be seeing a lot of Winston Diva, Echo, Tracer, and a Mercy. I, I think dis- that
0: I disagree, but to explain why you think that's what you're gonna see.
1: It, uh, well, at least in the pro scene where everything is Based around the minute details, I, I do think that the better teams are going to be able to pull off the Echo Dive uh, composition compositions, simply because Echo does have that level of mobility. Not to mention that her ultimate, which if you're not aware by now, her ultimate lets you copy an opponent's hero and gain ult quicker. So, no. So, and what I've been seeing a lot of is that is at least for the pro scene is they've been copying either the off tanks, the, the hero, the main tank heroes, or one of the support no support hero heroes. Which no, which if it is going to be a Reinhardt, just means an added shield as long as the DPS player is known to put up the shield before the, sh- the shatter lands for their opponents <laughs> and. And uh, yeah, I do think that Dive is going to be not the meta to go to, but a very dominant meta with, the, with Echo in the lineup.
0: I believe we are going to get a Wrecking Ball, Roadhog, um, Ana, Mercy, Echo, and probably Tracer, but you could probably make do with another uh, sort of flanking DPS hero. Um I believe that you're going to get just such a hectic playstyle with Echo that you, and you're and you not going to want to give your opposing team a good hero to cop. Or, uh, I'm not saying you should pick bad heroes so that the enemy team doesn't have a good hero to copy, but I believe there are plenty of characters that if the enemy team goes Echo and they happen to copy, you're losing fights. You're losing very specific fights because of that ultimate generation. I believe, sadly, Sombra is going to be hit from that because no one wants to be hit with a uh, six or a three-second charged EMP. <laughs> um, uh, no one wants to have a paratrooping Reinhardt uh, thrown at them, as we saw a lot in the pro-friendly games. Um, I also think that's why you're not. Go- I also think that's why you're not going to see a lot of Brig or uh, Lucio because if those get copied, almost immediate ults that get you a ton of value. Um, I believe that that comp is going to be refined a little bit i believe wrecking ball um because he can't charge his ult that fast compared to other tank heroes uh roadhog just because you will be able to play more independent which is what i think that comp is going to revolve around uh mercy of course for the echo and just for other reviving individual heroes ana just for the massive amount of healing and self-peel that you have The other DPS hero is the only one that I'm very uh, curious on. I could see reason for almost any other hero. But you don't want to pick one that has an impactful ult that can be charged immediately in case of the mirror match. So I'm going to say very much so that you might see Echo in a million different comps. But I think the one that's going to be the most effective and what you'll see the most will be Ball Hog, Ana Mercy, Echo, and insert DPS hero here. I mean, I can see that uh, not as well. Mm. Maybe it's just my optimism for wanting to play more ball,
1: but <laughs> it's—I think that is entirely possible. But that, no, but that's another thing about Echo. Is like when we first saw her in the PTR, she was busted as all hell, especially with the ultimate ability. But after, I've actually had some playtime with her, and after. Said play time, their time with Echo. No, there is a lot of counterplay to her now. They they definitely scaled back on how fast the uh, ult charges. We go there, you go when when Echo is copying. Um, there's still a, a lot of other positional awareness and game awareness that you need to be mindful of. And her her abilities are nothing to laugh at, but, but they're not easy abilities as well. They're all skill shot based. Maybe it's ability, except for maybe the flight, because you know that's just movement ability. Yeah. But, but yeah, no. While Echo is going to be a strong hero to pick at, as she is in this current moment at the time of recording, I still see a lot of counter counterplay to her, even by going a more a more traditional divey no uh, Like if anything, with my line of predictions. If anything, I'd say that um, it would most likely be um, Winston Hammond as the tank duo instead of Winston Diva, because even now I'm realizing that no Diva still provides a lot of utility that if Echo copies, it's just going to be bad, bad news, not to mention the bomb.
0: It's very interesting, and we are going to be uh, having our ears to the ground, our eyes to our screens, so that we can give you more up-to-date information as we get it throughout these weeks we'll give you updates on what we believe uh will happen with these heroes in the coming weeks of course thank you for joining us here on overwatch now i am your host dylan the dude and any final thoughts you got uh music
1: um well first off even even though we plan on um, uploading this as soon as possible we're gonna try to keep it a consistent friday upload schedule to try to talk about the newer changes that happen as they happen and give more of a a prediction type type feel for it. Because one thing that we will uh, try to keep in touch with are some of the more updates that, that have in regard to patch notes because we don't know how long it'll be until Echo even makes it to an experimental card for console players to try. What we do know is that she's going to be in the PTR for quite some time. So we might do some PTR patch notes in depth. In essence, see how that will affect the live servers if they were to go live. But overall, we just got a bunch of great uh, discussions to uh, to uh, look forward to in the coming weeks. So yeah, be sure to stay tuned. And don't forget, I'm the co-host, Moy the Music Man.
0: And we'll see you next time for another edition of Overwatch Now, your one-stop shop for all things Overwatch in the present day. Have a wonderful evening, day, night, wherever you are, whenever you are catching us. We'll see you next
1: time. Remember to wash your hands and stay safe.